This is recording number 11079 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, December 1, 2013. This is the third message in a series titled, The Characters of Christmas. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Joseph, A Tale of Two Dreams. We're going to continue our study that we began a couple of weeks ago called The Characters of Christmas. And we're looking at the characters of the narrative of the birth of Christ and what the, how the Lord moved in their lives and their lives' circumstances and what the, that um, story of their involvement in the, in the nativity brings to our life, speaks to us. How God could use them as a model to speak to us. I think that most people, when they think of the Christmas story, the first thought is Mary. Second thought is probably shepherds, and somewhere along in there is also wise men. We don't often think of Joseph as being a central character in the nativity. I think if we really thought it through, we'd have to imagine that that probably uh, is not uh, accurate, that he certainly had a, a large role, but he's not the name that first comes to mind when you think of the characters of Christmas. And yet, Matthew... Uh, who was writing his, his gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, chose Joseph's story to be the story of the nativity. The New Testament opens after uh, Matthew gives us the genealogy of Jesus. The New Testament opens with Joseph's story and his narrative, his part of the narr- in the narrative of the birth of Jesus. I'm not saying that his story is more important than any others, but it certainly isn't less than important and certainly isn't to be ignored, certainly isn't to be skipped over. God intended for us to see some very important things about how he wants to move in our lives and in our life circumstances through the story of Joseph. And uh, so we're going to be talking about, about that. Let me... Um, I'll tell you what happened a couple of weeks ago. I, I think it was last Sunday I told you one story about uh, two weeks ago when I was babysitting my five-year-old grandson. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of a couple of weeks ago, his mom and, and uh, sister were away. And so his dad would take him to school in the morning. I'd pick him up in the afternoon and hang out with him until later in the evening when his dad would get home from school. So the first day of this routine, Monday... I went, was standing outside of his classroom at the school waiting for him to get out. The bell rings, the door opens to his class, and he's first in line <clears throat> because he'd been student of the day. <laughs> <clears throat> so he's first in line. He sees me and he goes, Papa! Yes, I live for that. Uh, and then he elbows the kid next to him and he says, That's my Papa, the one with no hair. <clears throat> And that reminded me of about three or four years ago, one of the little boys in our church, he was four years old at the time, he comes up to me, and I, I love it that, the, that uh, your kids say whatever they want to say to me. <laughs> so he comes up to me, four years old, and he says, you ever going to get your hair back? <laughs> and I said, well, no, you know, 
Uh, his name was Oliver. I said, Oliver, you know, some men, when they get older, they just lose their hair. And, they, and that's just the way of things. They're, it's not coming back. There's silence. Well, you could pray. <laughs> I love that because I'm telling you that story because when I was 19, I looked like that. Now, can you tell which one is which? <laughs> and when I was 19 years old, can I tell you, never in my wildest imagination did I think I would look like this. <laughs> ever. Ever. Awesome. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you, when you were 19, 20... Imagined your life becoming the way it is right now. Nobody? How about, except you, come on. <laughs> How many of you, uh, even 10 years ago, your life today is exactly as you thought it would be 10 years ago. The, the likelihood um, that what you dreamed your life to be turns out to be um, kind of a pipe dream is high. I don't mean that to, to, to diminish the, the value or the quality of, of dreaming or imagining your life. That's almost impossible not to do. It's just the way we're wired. We, we project ourselves into the future and, and imagine how things will be. And I'm not entirely uncertain that that isn't how God intended it. But the, our Generally, our imaginings get away from us. And so eventually, there comes this collision between what we have dreamed about our lives and the reality of what our life has become. And navigating that collision, surviving it, uh, is not always an easy thing to do. And the truth of the matter is that, it, you know, that, that collision of, uh, my dream and my reality um, happens not just usually once in our life, but more than once. Um, and I want to talk to you about that today, because I think that's a common experience for all of us. And I think you're going to find that uh, an experience that Joseph had, because this, this story, Joseph's story, is the tale of two dreams. Let's begin reading Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together or before they had sexual relations, she was found with or pregnant with the child of the Holy Spirit. Now when it tells us here that Joseph and Mary were betrothed, that's not an incidental fact. It's very, very important. Very important. A betrothal in that day among Jewish people, was used at the very least a year. Far more than what we would imagine an engagement. It was, you couldn't break it, except for by the same means that you would get a divorce. I mean, it was serious stuff. And, as I said, it was at the, at the least a year, and usually much longer than that. And since um, men and women generally married fairly young, 
it could be that for all intents and purposes, you've grown up with a dream about how your life is going to turn out and it has to do with this person that you're going to be married to. That the, the betrothal was typically arranged by your parents and you have grown up through your formative years imagining you'll spend your life with this person, that these things will start to unfold in this way and then we will live our life together. And So as Joseph, for instance, was learning his trade... It wasn't just about learning a trade so that he could uh, have a way of supporting a family that consisted of question marks. He was learning a trade so that he could support his family consisting of Mary. She was in the frame of that picture, always. And you can only imagine that he was imagining a life fully formed that they would be sharing. Same with her. This betrothal, this is a description of a dream that they had, a dream that Joseph had about how his life would turn out. But his dream has collided with his reality because this woman who he has always imagined would be his wife, and these would be the circumstances of their coming together and how their life would unfold. This woman is pregnant and not by him. His dream and his reality has collided in a big, bad way. I think some of us can understand what that feels like. I remember when I... I've said this before, but I I really seriously intended to become the fifth beetle. (laughs) And when that didn't happen... My life, my dream, slammed into my reality. When I was in Bible college and imagining how my life would unfold beyond that, I was certain that before I was was 30, that I would be the pastor of a mega church of probably 10,000 people. When that didn't happen... And, and it didn't happen. Okay. <laughs> when that didn't happen, my dream was colliding with my reality in a big, bad way. Some of you um, could tell your own, all of you could tell your own story. So that is the situation, that's the circumstance that an angel steps into. Then Joseph, her husband, verse 19 says, being a just man and not wanting to make a public spectacle, make her a public spectacle or example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. God is meeting him at the point of the broken pieces of his dream and giving him a new one. And instead of a Instead of the collision of one dream being the end of the story, it's really the beginning, the beginning of God's dream, God's imaginings, God's will, God's purposes for Joseph. Saying, 
Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Notice that there's a division of labor here. The angel says, Mary will give birth. You will call his name Jesus. That's his assignment. You will call his name Jesus. And that, by the way, means Savior. You'll call his name Savior. Because, or for, he will save his people from their sins. Verse 24. Then, Joseph being aroused from sleep, or awakened, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And took to him his wife and did not know her or have sexual relations with her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. So in that place where one, one dream has collapsed and fallen apart. The angel steps in and he says, first of all, don't be afraid. And he's not saying, don't be afraid of me. You know, typically when an angel shows up in the Bible, as I said last week, that's the first thing thing that comes out of the angel's mouth. Don't be afraid. Because he knows that the, the appearance of an angelic being would strike fear into any person's heart. But that's not what he's saying here. He shows up in this dream, this new dream, God's dream for him. And he says, don't be afraid specifically to take Mary to yourself as your wife. Don't be afraid, Joseph, to step into a different dream. Don't be afraid to move forward into this new... You know, yesterday, or not yesterday, when was it? Thursday, Thanksgiving. Sue and I were driving out to a place in Riverside County in Southern California, where my town called Marietta, where my family lives, and we were going to spend Thanksgiving with them. And I'm following the... I only go visit my brother once a year, so... And I'm old enough, I can't remember things. So I'm using the GPS on my phone to get us there, right? And we get to this intersection of two major freeways. The ni- if you know L.A., you know 91, I-15. And that's how you get out there. I mean, it's just the way you go. It's the main arteries. And we're just about ready to get on. Well, actually, we did get on to I-15, and then the GPS is telling me to get off. And I was like, what? Heck no, what, what happened here? And I, I, I wrestled with it in my mind for a while, and then I decided, well, we're early. I have some time. I'll see where this is taking me. So I got off, and it was routing me around traffic. This is scary that our devices are that smart. <laughs> but it was, we'd be, we had been sitting in this horrific traffic, and, and it was routing me around traffic, and I got back on and carried on. It was like, sometimes... It's, it's, it's much more than just a simple detour, but sometimes there's a redirecting of our life that's, engaged, that's involved in this collision of our dream and then stepping into what God is going to unfold of his dream and purposes for our life that feels like, what? Yeah. What? Really? And the Lord in those times need, wants to remind you, you might be in that time right now, and the Lord wants to remind you, Don't be afraid to step into it. Don't be afraid to go with this. Don't be afraid to follow me. Here's what happens when that happens. We think most of the time, whatever this, wherever this is going now, I mean, my dream has collapsed. So wherever this is going now will be less than that. 
We think we're afraid. We're afraid that whatever is, whatever's next is going to be less than what we thought. Right? Am I the only one? And the angel says, Joseph, don't be afraid to step into this. Don't be afraid to take Mary to your wife, to yourself as your wife. Dear ones, if you're at that place and wondering, well, what, am, I now, am I now just settling? Am I now just adjusting to, to kind of survive this? I think the Lord wants you to know, no, this is not about just surviving. This is not just about coping. This is not just about getting along. This is about leaving something that was distorted, an image of your life that was distorted by your own selfishness, by your own self-centeredness. My desire to be the pastor of a 10,000-member church had nothing to do with Jesus, had nothing to do with the people that I might be serving, had everything to do with me. It's about leaving that behind and moving into something better, far better, far greater, beyond the scope of what I could imagine, that only God could imagine for me. Don't be afraid, he says. And then he says, he says, um, don't be afraid to take Mary uh, to you, or to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. He's in fact telling Joseph, this is God. This is, God is in this, Joseph. Uh, sometimes we need to be reminded of that. And especially when the collision, the collapse, the erosion, the dismantling of your dream has to do with what you've done. Your sin, your selfishness, your wickedness, your stupidity. Let's call it what it is. When you're standing there and you feel responsible for this pile of debris on the ground that once was your dream, you, re- you feel responsible for that. It's hard to imagine that God has, God has anything in mind, in mind for you other than that you just stand there and kind of sweep up the debris and, and cope with it. Even then, dear one, even then, God is there. Now, sometimes he has to allow our dreams to collapse because of, of, like I've described, the immaturity and the selfishness and all that was a part of it. He has to let that come to nothing so that he can lead us into what he has for us. But sometimes we're responsible, personally responsible for the mess. But even then, God is there. And the Lord would remind some of you today, this new, uh, this new dimension of life that I'm calling you to step into, the Lord is in this. He is in this. He's not abandoned you to fate. He's not abandoned you to the leftovers. He's in this. Don't be afraid. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He's saying, Joseph, you have no idea of the magnitude of of what's unfolding here. This child conceived of the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb is the Savior. (laughs) Once you've had 
a dream collapse, it's very difficult to begin to have a joyful expectation about what could be or what is to come. We tend to be just a little tentative, a little gun-shy, a little skeptical. But in those times, the Lord would remind you, this is bigger than you. This is not less than. This is more than. This is bigger than you. The ramifications of this are far beyond what you can imagine. Where I am leading you, the impact will be so much grander than anything you could have imagined. It's not even, it can't even be uh, described in the same language. And then remember he said, the angel said to her, she'll give birth, you'll call his name Jesus. So the angel reminds him, don't be afraid, God is in this, this is bigger than you, just obey God in faith. Because all right, now you're at that intersection and you're wanting to know how do I go forward? Well, how do I step into this? How do I make this new turn? How do I, and it's, it's really, really simple. I didn't say it was easy. It's really, really simple. Obey God. Now put yourself in Joseph's shoes, because this is not going to be easy. Simple. Simple. She's going to do the heavy lifting. She's going to bring this baby into the world. All you got to do is call his name Jesus. Declare his name, Jesus, Savior. Now let me ask you something. How many of you are parents here today? Raise your hand. Okay. Moms and dads, when you were considering what to name your child, how often did the term Savior come up in that conversation? <laughs> I know. We'll name him Savior. A little presumptuous, wouldn't it feel like? I know. We'll name him Christ. <laughs> no. Now remember, Joseph and Mary are already dealing with the fact that they've told this story to their friends and neighbors. Yes, she's pregnant, we're not married yet, but it's of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to call him Savior. This was not going to be an easy thing to do. But I love this. Verse 29. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took to him his wife, and he called his name Jesus. He, all he, that's all he did was obey. You, you want to be walking along the path of God's, of the unfolding of God's vision for your life, his plans for your life, simply obey. Do what he says. Do what he says. And you know what? It's even simpler than that. Because doing what he says is always about declaring his name. That's it. In Colossians 3.17, it says, In everything you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, let the name of Jesus be declared there. Now, I was talking to one of the women that was attending the early service this morning, and she, was, she came early because she was going to work from here. And uh, I, I said to her, you know, when you go to the hospital today, declare the name of Jesus there. Now, I, said, I was 
careful to say, I don't want you walking along the hall. I don't want you scaring your patients. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. You know, I don't, I don't want you do, doing that. <clears throat> but how you treat them, the care that you give to them, the way you interact with your, uh, the, the other members of the staff on the floor, Declare Jesus. And all you do, and everything you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, God is pretty faithful to do his part when we do ours, and ours is pretty simple. Just obey. Obey. So let me ask you this. Well, if you were at that point in some some circumstance or situation in your life where you feel like you're, you're imagining about how this was going to unfold is uh, falling apart. And you may even feel responsible for that. Let me ask you this. What has God spoken to you that you have yet to obey? Just remove all the other questions out of the way. All the other things. Where does this go? How's it going to happen? What will it mean? Just let that one question bring focus to your life at this intersection. What has God spoken to me that I have yet to obey? Dear one, do that. Do that. And as you do, as you... Declare the name of Jesus, even if it's as simple as uh, calling your, your sister today and wishing her a belated happy Thanksgiving and you didn't call her because things are not so good between you. When you do that today, you are, whether you actually, spell, whether you actually pronounce the name Jesus, you are declaring his name because that's who he is. That's what he would be doing. And you'll find that that step leads to another, to another, to another, and you're on a new path, a new dream, the one that he has for.